today on Ag News Daily. If we go back in time and talk about like where precision ag was, say 20 years ago, um, it was basically GPS and, and a light bar, and you could still manually drive the machine. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. We are broadcasting live from the Commodity Classic down here in New Orleans. Selene Howell joined by Tanner Winterhoff. Tanner, this is your first Commodity Classic event, isn't it? That's correct, and it's been exciting so far. So far, it has been a very short and long day all at the same time. <laughs> I agree. It's like you're seeing a lot of people that you haven't seen maybe in a couple of years. They haven't had this event in over two years just because of COVID. So it's like you're doing all these things, you're seeing all these people, and you're like, okay, what time is it? And yeah, it's like I can't decide if I feel like the clock is running fast today or slow today. But. <laughs> yeah, and I, I can't believe the number of neighbors that I have seen come down here to New Orleans and hang out with us. So mm-hmm. uh, it's been really fun to see and meet new people, let alone the neighbors and friends that you already have. But I agree, uh, it very quickly made the day disappear. Yes, it has. But we've been getting and seeing a lot of cool things. Today, I want to make mention we are sponsored by Raven Omnipower. 3200, your autonomous power platform powered up. We're chatting today about some of that new autonomous equipment that's coming to us from Raven Industries. So do stay tuned for that. But I don't know, Tanner, do you have any other recaps of uh, the trade show? Like anything that's popped out or stood out to you today? It's fascinating the number of executives from these companies that are here representing their products and their missions. That's the difference that I've noticed in the show, at least in the experience that I've had today, is everybody here is very passionate about what they're selling or what they're improving or what message they want to deliver. So it's contagious in in the atmosphere. And how would you compare this? Because you guys were at the Farm Machinery Show a couple of weeks ago in Louisville. How would you compare the Commodity Classic to that show? I would I would say that I believe uh, the National Farm Machinery Show had better attendance. At least it mm-hmm. felt like there was yeah. more people walking the aisles. Now, these aisles are a little bit more spread apart, so it could be an optical illusion. But I feel like there is more energy in the booths of the companies that are displaying their products and services, uh, which is fun to be a part of when you're going around meeting people. Yeah, it certainly is. And yeah, attendance does seem down a little bit, but there's still a lot of good things going on in the trade show this week and going to be bringing you some of those conversations that we're having with folks down here in New Orleans. If you are around and want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ag News Daily. We'll be sharing stuff there as well. You can also find Tanner on TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. Yes, ma'am. At Iowa Bankerman. At Iowa Bankerman. Perfect. So folks, we're down here. Uh, Hit us up if you want to connect. But otherwise, Tanner, I suppose we better jump into some news for today. What do you say? Yeah, it's uh, it was exciting to walk by the John Deere booth down here, but then to catch the headline that they've released their 2021 sustainability report that has their leap ambitions in it. And uh, that was created kind of to help drive their marketing and innovation strategy so that the farmers can know what is laid ahead. And they're focusing on production systems to unlock that power for each producer, their technology stack, which gives you more technology, smarter and more precise equipment, and their life cycle solutions, which is the newest addition to that stack of options to help farmers be more efficient. They want to increase the digitally engaged acres from their current 315 million to over 500 million worldwide by 2026. So setting some pretty lofty goals, but definitely you can see the direction that John Deere is going with their technology. They're trying to get those highly engaged producers to improve 
nitrogen efficiency by 20% before 2030. So those are the next two key targets that John Deere has released as part of that strategic plan. Yeah, and there are a lot of companies releasing some of these strategic plans actually down here at Commodity Classics. So I'm sure we'll uh, keep some of those updates here on the podcast. I don't have any today, to be honest. I haven't had a ton of time to walk around and (laughs) and see people and get interviews, but we're going to do that a little bit more tomorrow. Most of my news today really is commodity markets slash Russian related. So I'll just kick things off here. You know, yesterday, of course, we had the WASD report. We saw big uh, cuts there to ending stocks. We did also see, I think I forgot to mention this on the podcast. I want to make sure I got it out there, but with uh, those up-to-the-minute updates that they were releasing out of Russia, Ukraine, we of course saw that they will slash, or they did slash wheat exports by about 12% combined between Russia and Ukraine. So, could be a big market there for other countries to step in and take up some of that export market. But the other uh, thing that a lot of markets were watching today was the CONAB report, which came out earlier today. That's, of course, Brazil's private agency, very similar to the USDA. And they cut soybeans, their soybean crop estimate to 122.7 million metric tons, down about 3 million metric tons from the previous month. And yesterday we saw USDA come in still at 127 million metric tons. So still a bit of a discrepancy there between what Brazil is reporting and what the USDA is reporting. And only time will tell, of course, what we're actually going to see coming out of the fields. But I believe I read yesterday that the Brazilian soybean harvest is about 85% complete. So I want to say that I would tend to lean towards CONAB's numbers that are coming out of Brazil at this point. I would argue the same. And it's interesting to reflect on the people that uh, I've had the pleasure of interviewing. And one was Todd Holtman with DTN. And he reminds everybody, every time you talk to him, to maybe not put so much stock in these national reporting agencies because they're so far behind where we're actually sitting. So it'll be fun to watch to see how Brazil's reports continue to evolve as more of these bushels get reported. And sometimes it makes me wonder, does CONAB see WASDE reports and say, we're going to just yeah, let's, one-up them? Let's or Let's spice things up let, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, let's spice yes. things up. That's always a question I have, too. So, You know, in relation to your Ukraine news, the ethanol production, I noticed in this article, has now rose. The output has rose to the highest level in the last six weeks. So the inventories have increased in the last seven days, ending March 4th. So a little bit dated news. But according to the Energy Information Administration, that is now up to over 1 million bushels or 1 million barrels per day, greater than the 997,000 in the previous week. So the highest levels that it's been since the end of January. And you can only imagine that that is due to uh, producers wanting to ramp up their mm-hmm. stocks with this battle with Ukraine. Yeah, absolutely. And starting to see a lot of folks get out there. You know, I think it's going to be interesting, too, as you watch ethanol production and the – well. Maybe not the cost comparison, because I think a lot of states outside of the Midwest don't necessarily have access to ethanol, but it's interesting to uh, note how many folks are going to turn to ethanol because it's cheaper at the gas pump than gasoline is right now with crude oil prices continuing to push higher. Correct. Pennies matter when you're talking dollars. They certainly do. Yeah. Well, Tanner, speaking of dollars and cents, I got another story here that's uh, 
going to go right along in lines with that. But before we get to that, I wanted to make sure we thank again our sponsors, Raven Industries, who we're down here with at Commodity Classic, going to be featuring conversations with their folks to unveil the new OmniPower 3200. But Raven is breaking new ground in precision and driverless ag solutions. You're going to hear about that here coming up in just a moment. They're delivering impactful technology to growers and custom applicators all around the world. From field computers to sprayer and planter controls, GPS guidance steering systems, logistics technology, and autonomous solutions, Raven provides precision agriculture products designed for ag retailers and growers to remain competitive and profitable into the future. You can learn more at ravenprecision.com. Now, as I mentioned, Tanner, I have another dollars and cents story. This one looking at Russian dollars. Thought this was very interesting. Of course, Russia has a very different political slash economical system than Mm -hmm. the U.S. does. Uh, But this piece of news hit my wires today, and I thought we better talk about it. Russia has decided to provide farmers with short-term loans with preferential rates worth over 160 billion rubles to ensure they have access to the inputs for a successful planting season. This came out from their prime minister earlier today, and he said that the planting season that just started has to go uninterrupted, and they will be helping farmers subsidize some of those input costs that no doubt have gone up, especially due to the Russian-Ukraine invasion. He did say that, or he didn't say anything in reference to reducing wheat exports when asked about that. However, he did say the country must prioritize grain supplies for domestic use first. They also announced today that the Russian government will also cut taxes on light vehicles and allow some companies not to disclose their corporate documents, remove income tax on deposits, and they're going to help Russian airlines to keep their foreign fleets and retaliate against countries banning Russian ships' entrance to their ports. So they're certainly making some uh, waves today in the news. Yeah, I had to actually quickly Google the exchange rate between yes. a ruble and a it? dollar. So it's 133 and a half rubles to make one U.S. dollar. So uh, that's still a rather large number of it incentives is. for the farmers uh, to help make sure that their production doesn't stop yeah. to where things can move on as is. But uh, it's still a, a, interesting, too, because, you know, Russia is such a large player in the fertilizer space and input space to know how does that work when it's your country's companies that are making these products? Does the government just kick back payments to these companies? Right. That, uh, I'm sure there's a lot behind the scenes that uh, yeah. that we may not even deem kosher yeah. uh, to make sure that the process continues to go on as as they can. Because yeah. I've had a lot of conversations today down here comparing the weather, climate, season comparison of the Ukrainian farmers mm-hmm. to American farmers that everybody's getting geared up ready to either plant the crop or they're looking for the next stages of that winter wheat um, to come through. So it's been interesting here to listen to the observations that American farmers at Commodity Classic are aware of when there's something happening across the world. Absolutely. Yeah, we're still working on trying to secure that interview with uh, Ukrainian farmers. So fingers crossed we can get that lined up here within the next week or so when we get back from Commodity Classic. But Tanner, I tell you what, 
aside from the markets, I'm pretty much out of news. What about you? All I've got left is a little bit more on weather. So there's, uh, looks like a storm is what I'm going to call it. A big portion of the southern United States is in a winter weather advisory, which being from Iowa, I don't have much sympathy for them, <laughs> but I know it's out of the norm. And that winter weather advisory that kind of stems across to the northern portion of Arizona and New Mexico, the Texas catches most of Oklahoma, Oklahoma comes up into Missouri and Illinois a little bit. Uh, is an interesting path that turns into a storm warning around the Kansas City area. So that'll be interesting to see where this plays. But it spawned and fed right into an article about the health and productivity of cattle during weather that they are not used to. Mm -hmm. So uh, we've had a fairly mild winter in that region. And now getting into a cold snap with potential snow, it's not going to have a huge impact on the cattle industry, but it is certainly something to watch to see if and how bad this storm becomes. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of winter storms and upcoming weather, I was talking to a couple growers earlier one from Nebraska, another one from Illinois and North Dakota, just talking about, you know, the amount of snowfall that we've seen this year. The North Dakota farmer I talked to said they have seen 12 blizzards in his part of North Dakota, which is about, oh wow, uh, I think he said he was about 70 miles west of Fargo. So a lot more blizzards this year than they've seen in the past. But, you know, they were asking us, how does moisture levels look in, you know, central Iowa, north central Iowa? And we've not had a lot of significant snowfall this year. We've been having a pretty mild winter. So it's going to be interesting, too, as we do head into growing season. You know, we've got that continued drought out west. Uh, the question is, is that going to sprinkle here into, like, the ice states? Yeah, it will be interesting to monitor because I've had a lot of conversations with, with people discovering cracks in central and northern Iowa in the soil as it goes through the winter to see, will we get timely rains this mm -hmm. spring that don't hurt planting progress, right. but help replenish that soil moisture that we are lacking yeah. from having such a dry fall and winter. Yeah. And that's really what I love about coming to Commodity Classic is just maybe less so the news, but those conversations that you're having with those people that are living in various parts of the country to talk about uh, production in their neck of the woods. So, Yes, but no, that's all I've got for you today, Delaney. Fantastic. Listeners, I appreciate you letting me stumble my way through being the first time co-host on oh, the show. I think you've been fantastic. It's not like you're a stranger to podcasting. <laughs> but folks, before we get into today's closing market prices, I wanted to give another quick mention. Again, if you're down here in Commodity Classic, you can not only see us, but you can also see the new OmniPower 3200. It looks pretty sweet. We're going to share some photos. We have shared some photos on our social media, but you can find them at the Raven booth at Commodity Classic, booth number 538. But again, they're today's sponsors. So we got to give them a special shout out. And, you know, really the thing that they have been working to, a challenge that they've been working to fix here has been ag markets, labor constraints. The journey to full autonomy in agriculture has never been more relevant, and they're working to solve some of those solutions. What if we told you that autonomy is achievable for farmers today? Raven is here to help you at every step toward the full autonomous farming future. Each innovative precision ag product on Raven's path to autonomy is designed to reduce operator fatigue, increase yields, and help feed a growing world prop population. Explore Raven's path to autonomy at ravenprecision.com. And as we take a look at the commodity markets today, we certainly saw a little pick-me-up today after yesterday's bloodbath, given the WASDI report we saw. 
things really turned around in the grains today, aside from the wheat pits, which continue to trade lower. Not lock limit down today, but certainly some weakness in the wheat complex. Let's kick things off, however, in the March, in the May. Corn contract today up 22 and three quarters cents to close at 7.55 and three quarters. The D settled 15 cents higher, ending the day at 6.51 and three quarters. Soybeans today had some moves to the upside as well, as I mentioned there, with the May contract closing $16.86 up 14 and a half cents. The November added 18 and a half cents to close at 14.92 and a quarter. As I mentioned today, wheat, we saw a little bit of mixed trade in the Chicago contract. The May closed 114 cents lower. Yes, that is a dollar 14 and a half cents lower at $10.87. The Dece actually added some positivity today, up seven and a quarter cents to close at 9.77. In hard red winter wheat today, the May contract shed 48 and three quarters cents to close at 10.65 and three quarters. The Dece down 15 and a quarter to close at 10.37 and three quarters. And in the livestock pits, we saw mostly weakness today as the April live cattle contract shed a dollar 67 to close at a buck 35.90. The June down a dollar 50, settling the day out at 132.40. Feeder cattle today had some limit down moves as the deferred contracts. You look out there in the May and beyond. April today down 390 to close at 156.25. The May down the limit to close at 161.80. And in lean hogs, mixed trade today as you look out past the June contract, which actually finished in positive territory. However, the April down $1.05 today to close at 110. The June up 97.5 cents to close at 114.90. And lastly, wrapping things up here with the class three dairy milk futures. The April today down 40 cents to close at 23.86. The May down 45 to close at 23.80. Folks, we've been teasing it this whole episode. We are going to turn it over now to our conversation with Paul Wellbig from Raven Industries. Well, a very common theme down here at Commodity Classic this week has been a couple of things, but autonomy has been a big one. We've seen a lot of equipment coming to the pipeline, and we're excited to unveil a new announcement, talking today with Paul Welberg of Raven Industries. And you guys have an exciting new product. We'll get to that here in a second. But Paul, thanks for joining us today. Tell us a little bit about your background. Well, my background is uh, in farming. So uh, I've been with the company of Raven for uh, about a little over 20 years. And I have an ag background, agronomy background, worked at a co-op for several years before joining Raven. So uh, definitely farming is in, in my blood and passion and have been really exciting over the last 25 years of my career to work in the technology space and how it interacts with, with farming and, and how can we leverage that technology to, to make that easier, more productive and, and everything else that we can do with it. So 20 years is a long time with one company. What drew you to Raven to begin with, and why stick around so long? Oh, that's a great question. So um, it, uh, I would say it was somewhat coincidental uh, how I started there. I, uh, I grew up in South Dakota area, which is where uh, Raven is based out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, I was already working in the field of, of agriculture, agronomy, had a passion for technology. And so early on, I just started working with uh, Precision Ag and, and some of the things that were going on and at that time, which is, uh, you know, again, dating myself, but kind of in the dawn of Precision Ag. And through that, uh, started working with some folks at Raven. I eventually started to work for Raven. 
And just like any of this has, as we've seen through the industry in the last couple decades, uh, there's always something new, there's always something exciting. And so I've been a major part of that within the organization that I've just, I've had different roles. I've been able to grow and, and help the company proceed. So never a dull moment. That's what kind of makes me get up in the morning and keep doing this. And with your background being here at Raven Industries for 20-some years, you've seen a lot of changes when it comes to the equipment space. Autonomous equipment has been a big one that's booming. You guys are no stranger to that space. Tell us a little bit about what Raven Industries does. All right. Well, back uh, again, kind of if we go back in time and talk about like where Precision Ag was, say, 20 years ago, um, it was basically GPS and, and a light bar, and you could still manually drive the machine uh, through the field, but it was using, you know, some very rudimentary nowadays uh, technology to, to help with that, just simple process of driving back and forth through the field. Well, over the course of time, you know, we, we've just made some new improvements with between software and electronics and other types of things. Eventually, that led to auto steer, and so now you can take your hands off the wheel and, uh, you know, just sit in the seat and kind of go back and forth and watch that happen. That has further progressed into um, other automation on that machine, sensors, uh, just other software and electronics to go along with it to do more precise control of products that are being applied, uh, turning on the ends. Uh, interfacing with the various implements. And so kind of, as I like to say, uh, autonomy is like the culmination of all those things for the last 20 years where we're to the point like the next step is, hey, we could remove the driver from the cab because all the other technology has already been, you know, uh, applied and in there and developed along the way. And so we like to call it our path to autonomy because all those steps um, kind of lead you to this place in time, um, depending on, you know, the grower, the, the user, whoever that person might be, you may be at a different level of, of on that path, but it does seem like with the advent, all of all the advancements and the technology, it is all leading to this place where an autonomous future is reality. So that's what we're here talking about today at Commodity Classic is the unveiling of a new and improved autonomous vehicle, for the lack of better terms. How would you describe that to the listeners? Yeah, well, we're really excited because uh, Raven is a leader in autonomy. We have a couple different platforms all under the Omni umbrella uh, of, of the Omni brand. Omni Drive, which is an autonomous grain cart uh, technology that automates that. You can remove the driver from the tractor cab to automate the harvest process. And then we also have Omni Power, which is what you're seeing here, which is a you know self-propelled driverless applicator that can do spreading and spraying, again, without a driver, because as you see on this machine, there is no cab, there's no seat, there's no steering wheel. It is all autonomous. And so uh, what we have here specifically today and this year at Commodity Classic is an unveiling of a new model of OmniPower. So we've had OmniPower uh, in the past and we've taken a lot of feedback, improvements and those types of things and applied it to this new 3200, which is what we're unveiling here. And folks, if you want to see the OmniPower 3200, we're sharing photos of it on our 
Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram page at Ag News Daily. But Paul, you mentioned there's the OmniPower, then there's the OmniPower 3200. That's the model you're releasing here at Commodity Classic. What differences or upgrades do we now see in this new model? The main differences uh, are uh, more horsepower, better hydraulic system. The combination of those two things together uh, results in a 50% increase in power to the ground. So one of the things we've seen in the field through you know several hundreds of hours and thousands of acres of application is uh, you know we get a lot of feedback and some of those some of those pieces of feedback was I just wish I had a little more power. So if you're uh, fully loaded, driving up a hill, you know, sometimes it could, it could uh, you know, just utilize a little more power that way. If you're in really soft ground, those types of situations. So that was a big uh, needs improvement area by, by our users, by our customers, and we addressed that. Um, also, just some other aspects that we've improved, just some of the software improvements to make things, the usability better. We relocated uh, some of the... Um, access points for the operator. So we kind of move some of the electronics, we streamline some of the, you know, the wires and the plumbing and all those types of things to make it a little more user-friendly as well. Makes it easier to switch implements um, from, from previous versions. So just a, you know, stacking of these different, sometimes minor things, but in the whole, it, it becomes a major thing. That's right. And to the listener, it, looks like a very impressive machine, but how practical is this for a farmer in agriculture? What, what is this going to do to benefit those farmers? Well, the big uh, challenge that we're trying to help solve is labor. And uh, you know, it's well-documented. We, we understand it from, from being in the industry that labor in general is harder and harder to come by. Skilled labor in this area is harder and harder to come by. Um, we're trying to also generate some excitement around the younger generation of talent coming up into, we want to invite them into the industry. And so, um, you know, we, we, we go to um, career fairs, uh, different, you know, universities, different, you know, just all over. And people's eyes just light up when they see this technology, when they see kind of an Xbox controller interface, like, I know how to use that. They're on the robotics team. You know, all of a sudden when they never would have thought agriculture might be a place of interest for them, it's attracting that talent to the, to the farm, um, to the ag service providers, wherever they may be, that, hey, this is something I want to be interested in. And so uh, where they may not have been an operator in the past, they certainly can be instrumental in operations in the future. And the other way we're seeing this uh, being utilized today is complementing traditional farming practices. So if you think about having a floater in a field applying fertilizer, you can now ha also have an autonomous machine alongside of it. So you can actually double your capacity with one operator using two machines that's sharing information between one another. Yeah, and tomorrow we're going to be talking to Ben Boss, your director of sales for North America and Australia. So I'm sure we're going to get a little bit into more of the uh, customer focus and what folks are sharing with him. But I wanted to ask, you mentioned that path to autonomy. We talked a little bit about it. You talked a little bit about it from a commercial and a farmer standpoint. But as you look at the majority of the farm industry, where would you peg most farmers on that path to using autonomy on their operations? 
Well, we, we break the path to autonomy down to five levels. Level one is, uh, you know, traditional, you know, precision ag technology of today. And level five, autonom uh, level five autonomy is fully autonomous, no user intervention. That's kind of, you hit the easy button, the robot and goes, and goes to do its thing. Um, in between there, there's two, three, and four. And I would say that most farmers are probably in that level two, level one to level two space where a high degree of automation on the machinery itself where, you know, auto adjusting, like I mentioned, auto steering, but then also, uh, you know, we have like, a, you know, other technology that can kind of help simplify that operation in the cab. Uh, when you step into level two, level three, then you're getting into connectivity, data platforms, collaboration between multi-machines. Uh, um, we also have some driver-assisted technology where we have a stereo-based camera system that can detect the rows and, and further enhance that operation, so further automation. Um, and then it kind of goes up from there as far as autonomy goes. But I would say the vast majority of the users today are probably in that one to two level uh, area. It's been fun to listen in this conversation and put it into perspective. You know, the, the five steps, the five levels in that path are, I couldn't find to be any more true. And it's exciting to know that Raven has participated in all of those to understand what was important at the ground level and how you got to where you are today with the Omnipower 3200. What are you most excited about the future at Raven beyond the 3200? Beyond 3200, uh, you know, and I, I guess I would use the last um, several months as the example, like this just shows progress, right? Significant progress that um, even with everything going on in the last couple of years in agriculture, um, you know, the, the news of uh, Raven being acquired by CNH Industrial, uh, I'll just say that we've had a lot going on uh, as a company, but we continue to invest and prog uh, progress on the future of this. And so I can only uh, anticipate that the future looks bright because if we were, we managed to get this far in kind of the, the last few years, I think it's only gonna accelerate where we're gonna be in the next, you know, three to five to 10. And again, with that relationship that we have with Case IH, with New Holland and, and its various, uh, other companies in in the in the space, like I think we can see more applications, more platforms, more opportunities that we're just going to continue to to shoot for. Yeah, it's certainly an exciting time in this space, and interesting to watch your guys' growth. And I'm sure we're going to continue to watch that in the future, folks. We're going to have on, as I mentioned, Ben Voss tomorrow with Raven Industries. But if you are down here in New Orleans at Commodity Classic and happen to catch this episode, be sure to check out the new OmniPower 3200 for yourself in section 500, 538 is the booth number here. You can also check this stuff out on social media. We're, we'll be sharing some of these photos and things that we're talking about today. But Paul, big thank you for joining us today. Certainly appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Well, again, a big thank you there to Paul for coming on and chatting with us today. Really great stuff. Uh, interesting insight that he's had. And being at one company for that long, you get to see a lot of cool changes. 
Yeah, he's been there literally through all five steps that he described in the conversation of autonomy in agriculture. Yeah, it ha- he has. And like we said, they're going to continue this conversation tomorrow with Ben Voss, the director of sales for North America and Australia, which I think might give us interesting perspective. So, folks, do stay tuned with us. Make sure you're following along with us on social media this week at Ag News Daily on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tanner, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let the people go.